With New South Wales and Victoria in lockdown, cases rising every day, protesters clashing in the streets and Delta reaching our most vulnerable remote communities, you might be feeling that the only light at the end of the tunnel is the successful vaccination rollout to Australia. But even the modelling around vaccinations is fraught with differing opinions. At what point should Australia open up? 70% vaccination rate? 80%? Should we even come out of lockdowns if we reach these targets? We're lucky to have Stephen Duckett, Health and Aged Care Program Director, on the podcast today to discuss what's going on with Australia's vaccine rollout. Welcome, Stephen. Hi, Kat. So, Stephen, the big question is, where is Australia at with the vaccine rollout? Unfortunately, we're not in a good place. Less than half the population is fully vaccinated. Uh, and at this moment, when we're talking in August 2021, we actually just don't have enough vaccines in the country to vaccinate everybody who wants to be vaccinated. So it's really uh, in a bad way. Stephen, a few weeks ago, National Cabinet endorsed an opening up plan. Is that still what's guiding policy here? I'm afraid to say that there's actually nothing guiding national policy at the moment. You said that Cabinet endorsed this opening up plan. Well, in fact, it didn't endorse anything. The actual decision was to agree in principle. Who knows what that means and who knows what has been endorsed? Certainly, an in principle agreement is not an agreement. And who knows what they disagreed with? And that is totally unclear. Secondly, it's not even an opening up plan. The phase B, which is the phase that the Prime Minister wants us to move to, is the inverted commas vaccination transition phase. It's not an opening up phase. It says we seek to minimise serious illness, hospitalisations and fatality as a result of COVID-19 with low level restrictions. It doesn't say no restrictions. It says lockdowns are less likely but possible. Who knows what that means? So it's, it's not an opening up plan at all. And there are four columns and it's called a national plan, but it's guiding no one. And there's huge political fights between the Prime Minister and the Premier of Western Australia, for example, about is, the Pre is Western Australia going to take any notice of this idea at all? So there's really no national plan except in the minds of a few advocates. The National Cabinet has a key benchmark of 70% for opening up. This differs from our own recommendations in our recent report release, Race to 80, which recommended a minimum of an 80% vaccination rate to open up Australia. The UK opened up at 70%. So what's the issue here with opening up at 70% as they have done? So the Prime Minister and Treasurer are wandering around the country saying, if not now, when? You know, if not 70 or 80, when? We answered that question in our report. We said opening up means no more lockdowns. You're able to control uh, COVID spread because there'd be enough of the population vaccinated. You wouldn't have to worry about lockdowns anymore. A very clear opening up endpoint. We said 80% of the whole population. The so-called national plan talks about 70% and 80% of the adult population. So we're really talking about 56% in the case of uh, the first phase and 64% in the case of the second phase of the whole population. So it's a very low level of a threshold to move to this next phase. And it's a very, very dangerous threshold. What we see in New South Wales, every hour we see photos of 
and stories of the hospital system being overwhelmed. We have tents outside hospitals as temporary receiving bays and so on. This is what we are talking about if we open up too soon. This is the consequence of rampant spreading of COVID throughout the community. And this is what our report, when we talk about 80% of the whole population and 90% of the vulnerable population, this is what our report said when we're talking about open up. It's opening up safely where we aren't at risk of the hospital system being overwhelmed. So, Stephen, should the government's plan have considered children under the age of 16? Children are people too, you know. And so there are two reasons to consider children and you have to consider them in, in, in a different way. So if you're going to try and control the spread, children can get COVID and they can spread COVID. So you've got to look at the whole population when you're looking at your denominator. So that's why we went for 80% of the whole population. It's a tougher ask, especially if you can't vaccinate kids under 12. The good news is the TGA, the Therapeutic Goods Administration, has approved a vaccine for kids 12 to 16. So they can be vaccinated. The bad news is we're still unsure about if and when a vaccine for kids under 12 would be would be uh, available. So the question then is, how do you consider children in all of this? Certainly you have to, you have to say something in the national plan about what, 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 what we're doing about kids. They are highly exposed and highly at risk. And so what is our plan for schools to sort of prevent the spread or slow the spread of COVID into schools, not mentioned in the so-called national plan? So yes, We've got to think about kids, and there are a lot of them, and we've got to actually have specific strategies about what we're going to do if we open up and when we open up about children. I want to know, with Delta here, I mean, does Delta change the plan? I mean, we've got a huge outbreak that passed 1,000 cases today in Sydney. Can we vaccinate our way out of the current outbreaks? So when I was asked about vaccinations earlier this year, I said there are two reasons we need to be hasty. That is, it was a race. The first reason is the faster you vaccinate a lot of people, the faster you can open up. The second reason is we want to be ahead of the mutations of the variants because we know with viruses that they mutate. And we know that one of the reasons you've got a new dominant strain is that it's easier to spread than the previous strain. This is something that happens. So yes, we knew something like Delta was going to come along. We didn't know whether Delta was going to be more dangerous or less dangerous. That's what we didn't know. It turned out to be more dangerous, both more transmissible, which we knew was going to happen, and more dangerous. So yes, we had to anticipate that something like Delta would come along, and indeed it did. In our modelling, Luckily, we did it after we knew about Delta. So we used the Delta numbers in our modelling, which is where we got to the 80% uh, of the whole population. So the government has announced that Pfizer will be available to all by the end of the month with Moderna on the way. And I mean, I was lucky enough to get myself a Pfizer vaccine appointment yesterday after spending five hours on the website, uh, refreshing and refreshing. Will these additional options improve the rollout or Will we reach another bottleneck due to the demand for the vaccine? So right now, the demand exceeds supply. We just don't have enough vaccines in the country because of the poor decisions we made last year. That is going to be fixed in late September, October. So we won't have a problem of uh, supply anymore. 
I've had my first AstraZeneca jab and I'll have my second AstraZeneca jab next week or the week after, I forget when. And incidentally, it's as good in terms of me, in terms of protecting a hospitalisation as death as Pfizer. There's been a lot of problems about uh, the rollout in terms of vaccine hesitancy. People were saying, and the, the, the health minister, Health Minister Hunt said, ah, if you don't like AstraZeneca and you're an older person, wait till Pfizer comes along. And of course, this didn't contribute. This this contributed to hesitancy. It didn't help in making sure we got vulnerable people vaccinated as quick as, quickly as possible. So there's been a whole lot of problems with the rollout. But now, but come October, we should have fixed the supply problems. Hopefully, we'll have fixed the logistics problems, although there are still stories about that. And that were and as we've seen in New South Wales, when the virus is circulating. The demand for vaccines goes really well up and they are vaccinating a lot of people per day up there with the most rapidly vaccinating countries in the world. So, you know, I'm very confident that we will actually reach these 80% targets uh, of the whole population sometime early in the new year, maybe even before that. Uh, so it's not something we should say, look, we're never going to get there. We should say we are going to get there and we want to open up and we want to open up safely and this requires everybody to get vaccinated, vaccinate, vaccinate, vaccinate. That's the message. And the government should be saying that all the time and actually having some uh, ad campaigns to get us to vaccinate when we've got supply. We're, and the ad campaigns should hopefully not send us to sleep when we watch them. So, Stephen, one thing I do want to ask you, just touching into New South Wales vaccine rollout, I mean, they've got a very high vaccination rate at the moment. Is there anything particular that they're doing to um, encourage people to get vaccinated or is it simply the fact that there is such a huge outbreak at the moment that people are very motivated to get the vaccinations? So New South Wales is in the lucky position on one criterion only of having more uh, doses available per head than other states. So that enables them to actually vaccinate faster. Secondly, as you said, the the population's attitude to vaccination changes when they are at risk. And so you, vaccination is always a risk-benefit trade-off and they can see the virus is circulating. It is dangerous. It is dangerous for young people. 30-year-olds are dying. And so this changes the personal calculus. And so there's a lot of motivation to get vaccinated, a lot of demand to get vaccinated, and that's all helping. And I don't think it will go away. I think when the virus, uh, if and when they control the virus in New South Wales, I think people will still want to get vaccinated because they know it can come back. And so I think there'll be a lot, a lot of um, demand. There are always going to be pockets of populations where they, they may be resistant or they may not know about it. There may be scepticism. And so government is going to have to develop targeted campaigns with those communities uh, to make sure everybody is vaccinated. And we've seen some tragedies uh, in New South Wales with uh, First Nations communities having very, very low rates of vaccination, unfortunately. One of the questions, and I mean, it might seem like something a little bit forward thinking to be thinking about when, you know, the entire country hasn't had a chance to get vaccinated yet. Will booster shots be needed? And, and when will they be rolled out in Australia? The evidence about booster shots is still a bit equivocal. Um, Pfizer is saying we want everybody in the world to have a third Pfizer shot, a, a real a real shock that they want to increase their demand by 50%. Um, but the science isn't, 
to my mind, clear yet. Uh, if I were a betting person, I would say we're probably going to have to have booster shots, if only because there are going to be new variants and we want to make sure that our protection is is good for the new variants as well. Um, the evidence seems to be that AstraZeneca holds up uh, reasonably well for both Delta and uh, into the into the long term. But don't forget, you know, the first we haven't had twelve months of vaccinations yet, so we don't know how long the protection will last. So, you know, I'm I'm inclined to think we will need booster shots, but I can't say unequivocally that that is going to be the case. But as I said, I think it's likely. And the good news is the government has bought uh, vaccine booster uh, doses potentially to be used as booster shots. Um, hopefully the rollout of boosters won't be as uh, hopeless as the rollout of the initial shots. So that one's a watch and see and look at the science as it goes along. So, Stephen, when we do open up, what do we need to do to keep COVID under control? And say at the if we open up around that 80% mark. The price of liberty is eternal vigilance, as they say. We might be wearing masks for a long time to come on public transport, for example. We might be worrying a bit about uh, how we interact, making sure schools are well ventilated, for example, you know, and, and making sure indoor uh, offices are, are, are well ventilated and measure carbon dioxide uh, concentration in in indoor spaces. So we might be having to have in our mind the risk of COVID all the time. Secondly, we're going to have to worry about new new variants, new strains, and being keeping a close eye to say, are we, given we've got 80% of the population protected, 85%, whatever it's going to be, are they still protected against these new variants? So keeping a close eye on the way the disease changes to make sure the science changes, to make sure the public health measures change. So it's not going to be a set and forget sort of strategy that, yeah, we've done it once, we don't have to ever do it again. And it's like flu, you get booster shots. It's uh, So it's it's not, it's not. going to be a public health issue for a long time to come, I think. Thank you, Stephen, so much for coming on the podcast today and talk about all things vaccination. I'm sure we will have you on again uh, in the coming weeks and months to talk about the continued vaccine rollout. As uh, we've said before, if you can get vaccinated, do get vaccinated. Uh, we thoroughly encourage you here at Grattan to do that. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please hit follow on your favourite podcasting app. And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, you can follow us at Grattan Inst on Twitter and at Grattan Institute on social media. As always, please take care, especially if you are in lockdowns. And thanks so much for listening. 